The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the hosts and the guests. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of Two Millennials One Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Gable, and today I'm joined by a dear friend, KB. What's up, guys? And today we are talking about online dating. But before we get started, I'd like to encourage you all to please subscribe, like us on your favorite podcasting app. We're available literally everywhere at this point. Get on that, subscribe before we shut this thing down. Otherwise, you'll miss all of the future updates. As stated before, we are talking about online dating, which is a topic millennials absolutely love, and that's why we're here today to talk about it. First of all, there used to be a huge stigma around online dating, and at this point in time, I feel, personally, that it's pretty much gone. Do you agree with that? I do, because there are plenty of different websites for all sorts of people. You got farmers, you got old people, you can even be a minor and fake your age and get on there and people will still respond to you. So there's plenty of weird stuff that goes on nowadays. Absolutely. It has truly expanded. I'm sure there's still a segment of the population. I'm thinking like 60 and older that probably think it's really weird that we meet people on the internet. But anyone below that, I think it's pretty much accepted. In fact, there are even sites for old people to go online date at this point. But as this is a millennial podcast, we're going to focus mostly on our experiences with online dating. As always, I love to back these things up with some research, and there has been quite a bit done. Uh, I'm going to cite Pew Research as we normally do here on this show. In 2015, they looked at online dating specifically compared to 2005. They do this study, it seems like every 10 years, and they tested the statement, quote, online dating is a good way to meet people. And in 2005, only 44% of responders said that that was a good statement or they agreed with that statement. Whereas 10 years later in 2015, we're up to 59% feel that online dating is a good way to meet people. I mean, I'll throw myself out there. I think that is a great way to meet people. You can go like, okay, I'm going to go to a bar and meet people. I'm going to go and meet someone at school or college. Sure, those are still available, but online, you can really narrow it down and find people that you like. You agree? I do, because you being one of my only friends, in this, even though it's a small town, I am still limited on my options for getting out there and meeting people. And that's even if I was a pretty outgoing person. If I don't know people in a big room, I'm not one to just go up and say, hey, you look nice. Let's strike up a conversation. And even if I did, it's a slim chance that they would initiate it because talking about stigmas, girls initiating stuff is more accepted, but it's not common. And there's also, you know, the want for a guy to be the initiator for a girl. Definitely. And you hit on an interesting point about being in a small town. A lot of people meet their significant other in high school or they meet them in college. And both you and I, we made it all the way through that time not meeting our significant others. So once you get past college, the idea of making friends or having a social network or a group, that becomes really hard to do. Unless you are truly putting yourself out there and you're like, I'm going to join the bowling league or I'm going to do whatever, your options are incredibly limited. And that's where things like dating apps and dating websites come in handy to get your name out there and get access to people. Another thing that Pew Research uncovered, and this is part of that stigma idea, 
They tested the statement, quote, people who use dating sites are desperate. In 2005, 29% of people agreed with that, whereas in 2015, 10 years later, that had reduced itself down to 23% approval on that statement. In 2005, I was only 15 years old, but I mean, I can even see that change in my lifetime where if you were online dating in 2005, that kind of seemed a little skeezy or a little desperate. And now in 2019, there are commercials on TV. There are so many things that just openly promote online dating where it just feels normal at the this point. You agree? I do. It's out in the open. It's not a a skeezy, desperate thing any longer. One thing to add is while there might be some people who, of course, are desperate, there's never going to be a lack of those people in the world. The chance that you will meet someone close to your age with your same interests and, you know, educational background out at your job or at the gym is rare. And so online dating, in terms of hand selecting the qualities you want, it's really nice to be able to have more of a variety and more of a chance to meet someone within a 50 mile radius that's closer to your age, as opposed to settling for a guy who, when you're 23 years old, who's 30, that might might seem pretty old. Without the internet, you might be like, well, that's as young as I'm going to get around here. So online dating just opens the door for a more true relationship, I think. You saying that made me think of my own experience. And like I got out of college and everyone's like, oh, you'll meet someone in college. Didn't meet anyone of quality in college. So you get to work and everyone's like, oh, you'll meet someone at work. I get to work and they're all old people. Mm -hmm. They're all married. I'm the youngest person there by like 15 years, you know. And it gets to the point where you're just praying that you hire someone new that is in a dating range. And that doesn't come often in certain professions, especially when, I mean, there's this onslaught of baby boomers that are still working. I'm not into 60-year-olds, so there's not a lot of options. You're exactly right of the benefits of getting online, getting an app, and being like, I like women between five, six, and six foot with green hair or green eyes, <laughs> with green hair and purple eyes or whatever. And you can customize that and you can find people. And like you said, you can expand that radius and maybe talk to a girl 30 minutes away and make that work. Whereas prior to that technology, it's like I'm going to the bar and seeing what I can dig up. And like you said, the odds of them having a lot of overlap in qualities or or likes or any of that. Pretty slim. Yeah. So kudos to online dating. It's not a inherently bad thing. And obviously a millennial podcast is probably going to support it just as millennials support it. Millennials as a whole love online dating. Pew, going back to that same poll from 2015, found that 27% of 18 through 24 year olds and 22% of 25 through 34 year olds use online dating or dating apps. So that's pretty much the span of the millennial generation there. And about 25% of us are using it. To me, that seems super small. Of your cohorts and of your peers, would you say most of them are using online dating or do you think most of them found somebody prior to having to use that? I would say out of the people I know, probably at least half have used it and a good percentage have found the someone that they're with using it. So yeah, a little low, I would say. Yeah, I would agree with that. I am sure since this poll is taking into account everyone in those age ranges, like you are going to have those people that meet somebody in middle school or high school or college or work. If you went right to work after school, all of those situations, you're probably not going to need online dating. But all of my friends or all the people I know that didn't find someone in there or found someone and they broke up, they're on online dating at this point. So I'm sure once they study this again in 2025, those percentages are going to be a lot higher than 20% or 27% or whatever it was. 
Additionally, found this one pretty interesting. Millennials spend on average 10 hours a week on dating apps. And this was a study done of 5,000 18 to 30 year olds. Would you say when you were still in the hunt, were you on online dating apps for about that amount of time? I would not. I would get on probably once in the morning and once in the evening, anywhere from five to 10 minutes. Throughout the week, that may be added up to between one to two hours. Yeah, and I would agree with that statement with my usage of dating apps. Didn't spend a whole lot of time. Granted, I feel like the newer dating apps require more time. If you're in a big enough area and you're using something like Tinder, which we'll get in here in a second, I feel like that could be endless. If you have a, I don't want to say an addiction to Tinder or something like that, but do you agree you could just get on there and swipe for a really long time? Absolutely. When I was on Tinder, you know, you could spend 20 minutes in Kirksville just swiping and then you get to a point where you're so used to swiping left with all these people that when you get to someone who's cute you're like oh no I accidentally skipped them and then you want to slow down and actually read their profile so that's like more time and yeah it can get addicting there's too many people to choose from I think yeah definitely I don't dispute that 10 hour thing I mean people spend hours and hours and hours on places like Instagram and Facebook and all these stupid things. Of course, they're going to spend their time on Tinder or whatever dating app they have. Personally, I don't spend that many hours on anything in the week, so I I can't relate to that, but I'm sure there are listeners out there that are currently like listening to us and on Tinder at this moment, so totally understand that. Being on eHarmony for so long and Tinder, I can definitely attest to more time would be spent on Tinder because with eHarmony, you only get one to five matches a day. It's not an endless stream of people because you are so specific in what you want. Where Tinder, you just sign up and people are thrown at you. You basically get anyone within your search radius. And so there will be a ton more people to choose from. And then you can, you know, search all the time on there because it's going to keep popping up new people. And even if you don't live in St. Louis, but you travel there, you'll get new people to search from. That is a good point. It depends a lot on what apparatus you're using for online dating. If you're casting a huge net with hardly any specifications, you're going to spend a lot more time because like you said, you're going to have a lot more options. Whereas those paid services, which we'll get into as well, are way more specific and don't require as much time. Another stat I wanted to throw out here was just emphasizing the success of online dating. So there's this website called The Knot, which if you're going to get married anytime soon, you probably are aware of. Um, They asked 14,000 recently engaged or married couples how they met. And at this point in time, 19% of those 14,000 couples met online, which leads all of the other categories. Some other responses were we met through friends, 17%. We met at college, 15%. Or we met at work, 12%. So you're seeing now for the first time, online dating is taking the lead and how couples meet each other. And like I said before, going forward, I'm sure that number is going to grow more and more and more. That wouldn't surprise me if in 10 years, that's up to 30 or more percent. That's the way we're heading. Everything we do is online. All of our communications online, it would make sense that we are meeting each other and getting married and engaged and all that jazz through online means as well. You could even expand this concept into meeting your friends online because 
apps like Tinder and Bumble, you have options for, I don't want a relationship, I want to look for work connections, or I just want to look for friends to hang out with. Like, you don't necessarily want to meet a guy if you're a girl, or a girl if you're a guy, you just want to have that connection with someone. So I feel like not only are we going to see an increase in relationships forming that way, but just friends randomly connecting online. And the stats you threw out earlier, 27% of 18 to 24 year olds and 22% of 25 to 34 year olds use online dating sites. If you expand that to just those age groups using sites to meet people, I wonder what that percentage would be. I mean, even things like LinkedIn, there are people that meet other people on Facebook or Instagram, Snapchat, like you see someone at a concert, like, hey, what's your handle? You're right. This goes beyond dating. It goes to just human relationships in any form at this point. Yeah. And at some point you got to say like, is this too much? Is this an addiction? Like, do I need to be that connected with people? Which this is totally off the topic, so I'll stop. (laughs) No, I mean, it's it's fair. (laughs) What I always think about when this comes up a lot on this podcast is what if this whole thing goes down? Like, what if we have to revert back to like, could I go into a bar and pick out a spouse? You know, like, am I capable of doing that? Probably not. I've lived my whole life being able to do this online. So it's fair. These are fair concerns of whether we get too attached or too addicted or too dependent on this technology. Yeah. If it ever goes away, it's going to be rough. People will have no social skills. Yeah, and that's scary. Because they're so confident hiding behind their device, which I know is a common argument, but there's a true side to that argument. Undoubtedly. Real quick, before we get into the online dating options, what dating apps have you used? The top one was eHarmony. I actually paid to use that one because I thought it was one of the more serious ones and I was never one to just look for a guy just to talk to. I, you know, was always looking for a relationship. Following that, there was Tinder that I was on for a couple weeks and Bumble I used for a couple weeks. Then (laughs) I also uh, was on OkCupid for, I think, less than a day as well as Match because the people that the site produced going off of looks they were not up to my standard of people I wanted to be with and so I just decided to not be on there if it was free there's no loss I just wanted to try it out what I have used I use tinder and I have used okcupid which I have some comments on and I used plenty of fish for a while but most of them are trash and we'll, we'll talk about this here in a second so online dating options if you're listening to this and you're curious or you're just interested in general, uh, they range. They range from things like you have said, eHarmony, to all the way down to Tinder. And I would say eHarmony and Match and some of those are in the more serious category where Tinder and Bumble, you get a little more shallow. And it's kind of a continuum there. Put like OkCupid somewhere in the middle there, plenty of fish somewhere in the middle. And it ranges from you are paying, like you said, to use eHarmony all the way down to Tinder, which is a free app that you download. And you can upgrade these things, but for the most part, it's free. eHarmony, since you use it and you kind of talked about it before, but explain the idea behind eHarmony. There is a free version of eHarmony. That is just you uh, do the same initial step for if you paid for eHarmony. Uh, you basically fill out this, I think they call it the book of you or just a very detailed profile, which probably takes you at least five minutes, <laughs> which is a sh- pretty short time, but five minutes of just constant questions of how important is 
romance in your relationship and it's on a scale of very important, important, neutral, not important, not important at all. And it's basically that scale for questions like how important is romance? Are you a physical person? How important is your job to you? Stuff like that. And so it's very detailed. The site gets a good idea of what you are like as a person. And I assume the algorithm for searching for people is matching people with similar answers. And then you specify an age range, I believe height too, and a radius, a search radius. And then depending on, you know, how many people within your qualifications that produces, you'll also get people who the site tells you this is just outside of your qualifications, but take a look at this person anyway. And then there's also this what if category, which people don't necessarily meet any of your qualifications. They're just throwing out more people for you to look at. And then uh, the free option is you get to, I believe, communicate with people, but you don't get to see their face. You can see what their photo looks like after you pay. So that's how they get you to pay, essentially, Mm -hmm. because otherwise it's truly blind and you're Mm -hmm. going off of words. Yeah, and it was interesting that when you were talking about paying, because with eHarmony, you pay for full access and to uh, communicate with people and to, you know, see their pictures with on Tinder. When you pay, it's like unlimited go-backs or unlimited swiping. I forget exactly what you pay for for Tinder, but just what you pay for on the more serious sites versus what you call the shallower sites is pretty different. Absolutely, yeah. The upgrades on Tinder, I could see them being useful. Like you said, you got swiping too fast and you're like, oh shoot, and that that happens. It'd be nice to go back for sure, but is that worth paying for? Whereas the whole idea on eHarmony is you have to pay the money if you want to actually have a full use of the site. Mm -hmm. So way different structure. I mean, since you used eHarmony, if you don't mind me asking, how was it after you started paying for it? Was it like, oh my gosh, there are all these great guys here and it was a good service or was it something you like regret paying for at this point? No, I don't regret paying for it. I talked with, (laughs) I'll say I've talked with plenty of guys. I probably went out on seven to eight dates with the guys I talked to anywhere from one to two dates to I had one relationship on eHarmony. And I don't regret it at all because it got me to figure out what I wanted since I was on there for so long. And that was just due to, you know, the guys being nice, but I didn't feel it or there was no chemistry there. But I do have to say all the guys on eHarmony were pretty truthful. I never felt like, oh, you totally lied on your profile or you do not look at all like what you say you do online. Like I thought all the guys are truthful. I never felt unsafe in my case might be rare. Obviously there's creeps online, but I never ran into them. So I felt eHarmony did a good job of producing a truthful image of the people. If you like super pay for eHarmony, the highest thing there is, there is a profile verification thing you can have access to, like where the people on the site will actually verify that you are who you say you are. And that makes sense. I mean, that goes with a lot of things in life as far as if you are willing to pay money for something like that, you probably probably aren't a terrible human or you're probably more likely to be honest or likely to be a stand-up person compared to something like tinder where it's available to everybody what is the incentive to be honest in that situation not a whole lot so that's an interesting perspective you mentioned there about eHarmony and some of these sites where you do pay for the bulk of the access let's transition to the middle or what i would call the middle let's talk about okcupid for a moment which is actually a pretty big dating site a lot of people use it in fact we can list this out here real quick these are the most popular 
popular dating sites among millennials. Number one is Tinder. Number two is Bumble. We'll get to those in a second. Three is OkCupid. So out of the top three, none of those are eHarmony. None of those are these exclusively paid sites. So just reflects our generation as a whole because we're all poor and whatnot. But yeah, we go for the free sites. Four is plenty of fish. Five is coffee meets bagel. And six is match. So finally down there, and I kind of put match and eHarmony. I'm sure you could give more of a breakdown there, but those seem to be like the ones that depend more on paying. So all the way down at six is where that shows up. eHarmony didn't even crack the top six among our generation. Back to what I was saying though. Okay, Cupid, as far as I know, pretty much free. I'm sure there's an upgrade. Yeah, but I think so. The idea behind that is it's free. And as far as what you were saying with eHarmony, it sounds similar because the idea on Okay, Cupid, as you post your pictures, but then you start filling out this profile by answering these crazy questions, you know, mm-hmm. of like, how important is spiritual life to you? And it's on a Likert scale, just like you said with eHarmony. And the objective is for you to get on there and answer as many of those questions as you can. And that should improve your matches. And they're always prodding you to answer more and more and more. And then basically, you just can click a button and they pull up all of these people with a certain percentage of match. And it's also a geographical thing as well. So it was good when you're like, oh man, there's this 99% match here in town or like five miles down the road. My experience with that mostly, and I think we're going to have different experiences even on the same apps due to our gender A lot of times you may have these super matches on OkCupid and you message them and then they don't respond. Did you run into a lot of that? All the time. I messaged, well, on on eHarmony, it changed as I was on there because I was on there for a year and a half to two years. But at the beginning when I was on there, it was you first sent them like a smile and then they smiled back. And if they did that, then you would send them your five must-haves and your five deal breakers is what they called it. Then they would send you their five must-have and deal breakers. And then you would send them three in-depth questions like where it was free response that they could type it out. And then they would send you their questions. And then you would free, like basically text through the app. The later end of my time on eHarmony, they eliminated the back and forth introductory steps and it was pretty much texting on the app. And yeah, I messaged quite a few men that I thought were attractive. They seemed nice and it never led to anything, not even a hi. It's like, well, if you're not using the app, can you delete it? So we don't have this ghosting thing that when we haven't even started yet. So absolutely. That was the vast majority of interactions I had on OkCupid or any of these sites is, ooh, that's an attractive female. We are 99.9% match. I'm going to send a message this person you hear nothing back some of that i get like "Ooh, this guy's ugly there's no way i'm talking to him like i get that that is part of this game is just like the shallow nature of judging people by pictures but at the same time it's an inordinate amount of either dead accounts guys deal with this a lot there will be these like very very attractive women that you know immediately are bots they're fake they will respond to you but it's just a bot someone has created i don't know if that appears on the girls end with guys at all but that is something you got to watch out for. It is a, kind of a anarchist situation in those free dating apps. You never really know what you're going to get. I'd say probably like one out of 50 times you get someone that responds and you carry on a conversation. I think the percentage is a little higher on eHarmony because there are fewer options. So that's why their likelihood of you responding is a little higher. But yeah, on Tinder, you can swipe right. It's a match. And then, you know, if you do say 
high, like you said, a very low percentage of the time will they respond back. Or then you have the situation of it's a match and neither of you do anything. (laughs) It's a weird situation. And I, I see a lot of flack online, usually from girls, like getting mad at guys on Tinder or other places for starting a conversation with just high or something like that. Mm -hmm. So then you try to be witty or you try to be clever or make a pun or mention something in their profile, their limited profile on Tinder. And even that, that didn't seem to work either. I guess that's just a personal preference, but also maybe girls would be too sensitive. Like maybe a guy's just, he's a nice guy, but he's bad at pickup lines. Why don't you just say hi and see what the second line brings you? Exactly. Yeah. If coming the other direction, if a girl's like hi to me, that's all it takes. I never understood that. I guess if you need something witty, cool, reject a general hi. But yeah, I never understood that complaint. If someone's taking the time to reach out to you and the other 50% of people don't even do that, I would call that good enough and respond. But it doesn't happen all that often. Yeah, I'm pretty lame in terms of my initiation. Like, I would just say, hi, how are you today? If I was feeling flirty, I would add a smiley face. That was (laughs) my typical response. I'm not saying that I was on online dating and I never talked to anybody. I talked to quite a few people. I still have a person on Facebook that I met on OkCupid. And then I actually did go on a date with someone on there. And I got that experience. And this is the deal with the free site. Looked like a very attractive woman. Met her at Starbucks and she was not. She was, (laughs) to put it kindly, quite a bit larger than her picture portrayed. And I'm not trying to sound like a shallow D-bag. But that's super not cool. If you're going to throw yourself out there online, at least use current pictures or pictures of who you are actually. And that's the name of the game there on those free sites. That is a gamble that you're taking. Yeah. Anyone can sign up for those. You can steal pictures of your sister or your cousin or just stuff off the internet. And yeah, you can catfish people. You can just lie to people. It's kind of a scary endeavor overall. It really is. Yeah. And that slides us down even to the more shallow section. We've hit at this several times, but Tinder. Tinder is a really popular dating app. And the reason I throw that on the shallow end is if you haven't used Tinder, you are truly making a split second decision more or less on an image. You can view multiple images and you can read the blurb, but most people don't even do that. It's like this guy's hot or this guy's not, or this chick is fine or she's not. So we swipe right to keep them. We swipe left to get rid of them. And oh man, I have like a problem with that model, but for the most part, it's super effective. Like a lot of people meet other people on Tinder. Yes, I know at least three relationships that have started on Tinder and are successful. And it's to the point now where you know people getting married, at least in our generation, that met on Tinder, you know, and that still kind of sounds sleazy, but it's to the point where it happens so often it's becoming accepted. That one was particularly bad as far as the bot situation or just the not responding situation like you mentioned. You can get quite a few matches on Tinder, but just no one talks and no one responds, so kind of defeats the purpose. Tinder never ends, like you said. You can always extend your radius. You can like up your age range a little bit, bring in more people. Were you reluctant to use Tinder when it rolled out? I remember when it very first came out, I believe I was just graduating college, I think. Or at least that's when I first heard about it. And my friend was telling me, oh, have you heard of Tinder? Like you swipe left or right on a guy and it's basically a hookup site. And I think I got on it for a day just to see what it was about. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. This is not for me. Years later, after eHarmony didn't work, several other endeavors and meeting a guy did not work, I was like, all right, let's give Tinder a try. What's the worst that can come out of it? After getting over the hump of, well, I'm on Tinder, 
I think I actually enjoyed it. It was kind of fun looking through the people. And actually, the first guy I talked to on Tinder was a guy from Kirksville. He was pretty attractive, nice. We talked for, I think, two or three days. And then the reason why it stopped was because he was religious and I was not that religious. And he's like, well, it's been really nice talking to you. This is like one of the first serious conversations I've had on Tinder. I just, something that's important to me is not as important to you. And so I'd like to continue searching pretty much. And so like my first experience with Tinder was a really positive one and neither of us ghosted each other. We were like totally okay with separating because it was only two days. Like how mad or upset can you get? And I mean, right there, you're describing one of the, you could say problems with Tinder is eHarmony would have weeded that out immediately. That guy probably would not have come up if a religion was that important to him and not important to you, you know? That's the cost of these free sites. Like you get to dive into all that crap yourself sometimes you may find someone that you wouldn't have found on eHarmony in that situation. Mm -hmm. Or like me, I would never pay for a dating site. So in my situation, yeah, you either find me on the free ones or you don't find me at all. And that goes for a lot of people as well. So just interesting points there for sure. I'd kind of forgotten about this. It's been so far displaced, but you're right. When Tinder came out, that was viewed as a hookup site Mm -hmm. of like, you swipe right because you want to bone that person. I don't remember that hardly because Tinder has moved so much forward and you meet your wife or your husband or your spouse on Tinder. Do you think it has lost that notion of it being a hookup site? I don't think it's completely lost. There are those sleazy people that make you think like they're a little more serious than just a hookup, but that's their overall game. I don't think Tinder is considered romantic by any means. Like, it's not going to be a great story if you ever have a kid. Oh, we met by swiping right. Like, that's not the best meeting story. No, I don't think Tinder has lost its hookup aspect. It's just decreased a little decreased a lot I'll say yeah I would say that's probably fair I think just more of the people that aren't looking for a hookup just kind of flocked to use the model of tinder and are using it for their own purposes you know are mm-hmm. meeting a long-term partner or a spouse or whatever on the application uh, versus just using it for the the hookup dynamic To wrap this up, there are some weird dating sites out there. There is a dating (laughs) site literally for whatever your kink, your like stuff you do in your free time, your hair color. Like you can find a dating site that reflects that. Yep. Can't say I visited any of them and can't say I want to, but you know, if it works, go for it. I looked up a list and I found some funny ones. There's farmers only, of course. There are a lot of commercials of that. As we live in the Midwest, I feel like that's our target market there. But 420 singles, if you want to blaze it up with your new boo or something, you can do that. Mullet passions, which just made me laugh out loud. If you are really into guys with mullets, there's a dating site. Or girls. Or girls with mullets, (laughs) yeah. How dare me. There's a dating site for you to find that long, greasy mullet to run your hands through. And then herpes fish, which is just gross. Basically, all of your sexually transmitted infections are just out there in the open where you don't have to be like, oh, hi, new boyfriend. By the way, I have herpes. It's just instead right up there, probably on your profile of like, yo, I have gonorrhea, clap, and herpes. And it just is right out there. No secrets. Okay, the one thing I have to say about Farmers Only, though, is farming is like, it's not an easy life to deal with. So I have to say, I've never been on there, but I think there would be some benefits to Farmers Only. Like, you would know what you're getting into. You would get a fellow farm, well, 
maybe not a fellow farmer, but like someone who knows that lifestyle and appreciates it. Sure. And I don't mean to harsh. Oh, I didn't think you were. I was just giving. Yeah. On any of these sites. Like if truly you need a man with a mullet, then why not (laughs) go on whatever that was called? Mullet passions. There is a reason why these sites exist is because they are fulfilling the need of some aspect of society. So more power to them. If you want to take the stigma out of sexually transmitted infections through your dating site, go for it. Any parting words or final words from you, KB, about uh, online dating or your experiences? While it did not always work out, I had a positive experience. So I would encourage people, if they were shy or just aren't having the best of luck meeting people in person, to give it a shot. There's no shame in doing it. Totally agree. If you can't find that person at school or at work or whatever... Try it. It's not a bad thing. And if your parents or grandparents or whoever are looking down on you, whatever. It's the 21st century. We meet people online. It happens. All right. That brings us to the song pick of the week. We'll start with our guest, KB. What you got? Can I give two? Absolutely. Okay. One of the more recent songs I like to listen to is Shallow by Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Not a huge Lady Gaga fan. Never even saw A Star is Born, but it's a good song. And throwing it back to, I don't know when, a long time ago, The Gambler by Kenny Rogers. That's always a good song. Very nice. We'll get those added to the playlist. My song pick of the week is called Wanna Die by L-I-F-T or Lift. I'm not for sure how they refer to themselves, but that is a weird track. It's very explicit, so if you're a child, do not go listen to that song. Thank you all for joining us on episode 51. I hope you enjoyed hearing KB and I talk about online dating. Please join us next week, folks, for the very last episode of Two Millennials One Podcast, or at least the last episode for a while. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great week. Bye.